Welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm J.J. Djurjevic. Joining me this evening is the one, the only, Larry Gardner down there in Adairsville, Georgia. And, of course, our fabulous producer, Wayne Ridenauer in Memphis, Tennessee, home of Graceland and Elvis. This is, again, ATL Prime Sports. You can find us all on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at ATL Prime Sports. And, of course, search Apple and Spotify. Personal Twitters. At JJ Get You One, at RWY Junior for Wayne, at LG for Real Though for Larry, and at Quarter Todd for TC Todd Quarter, who is on vacation in the beautiful panhandle of Florida, catching those sunny Florida sunshine rays. I'm doing very well. Uh, excited for the NFL schedule release tomorrow. Several games have already been leaked, like the New Year's Eve matchup Kansas City versus Cincinnati. That'll be really fun. And the Falcons trip over the pond to play Jacksonville. Wayne, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. But, um, you know, that last race that uh, they had up in Kansas, uh, a little bit of a boxing match uh, started up at the end of that race. And uh, <laughs> Ross, Ch- Ross Chastain uh, ended it by uh, touching uh, uh, the other guy's face uh, with high velocity uh, with his knuckles. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting. I, I thought Logan Paul was going to pop out or Jake Paul, one of the two, and, and be a celebrity boxer there in NASCAR. Yeah. Larry, how you doing, buddy? Man, everything is well, JJ. Glad to be on another episode and ready to rock and roll. And we had a doubleheader today in Rome. So we've been baseballing it all day long and was having second thoughts about going to the tourist tonight to try to do it three in a row. And I said, no, nah, sometimes you got to have a little common sense. So. Uh, two is good enough for us today, and we're glad we're, we're able to be on another episode of ATL Prime Sports. We're glad to have you. I know uh, the Rome Braves are glad to have you as their PA of voice. And let's get on with the show. What's on tap? John Fricky, host of 92.9 The Game, uh, will join us this uh, this fine evening, and we'll talk some NHL and NBA playoff action. And without further ado, let's bring in our guest, John Fricky of 92.9 The Game. John, welcome to ATL Prime Sports. Thanks for joining us, and how are you doing tonight, man? Well, it's a beautiful night in Atlanta, beautiful night for baseball. Yeah, hopefully the Braves will get a little bit of runs here and keep this going on. I mean, 25 wins in 36 games, that's not actually bad. That's pretty impressive. I think they uh, tie with the 98 Braves for most wins in the first uh, 40 games or whatever it was. So pretty impressive start to the season. That's where I'll start it off with our questioning. Look, I saw a tweet from Jared Carabas that the Braves are 110 and 52 over their last 162 games. John, is it World Series or bust for these Atlanta Braves? Well, yeah, it has been for what four years, right, guys? I mean, I agree. Yeah, we we also I think there was you know last year I think there was some you know chatter at the beginning of the year that well the. Uh, you know, the Mets are the favorites in the division, and then there's the Phillies, and then there's the Nets, and then there's like the Braves. It was like, what do you guys smoke it? You know, the, the Braves are the best team in the division. They didn't play like it for most of the year, and then, of course, they got fire in the second half. Uh, and then everybody got disappointed. Well, you know, because they, they have selective memories. They go, well, I know the Braves won 101 games. They hunted down the Mets. They won the division. But, you know, they were out pretty quick in the playoffs, which they were. But there was a reason as to why, and, and uh, I am, I'm kind of going to be interested to see what happens this year is that, uh, you know, that week down, the Phillies, you know, if you get hot, you want to keep playing. And let's not forget, the Braves had to stop for a week. I mean, that is an eternity in baseball. 
And so they stopped for a week, and the Phillies kept playing. And so, you know, the Braves said, okay, now we got to get going again. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle now because that, that was a unique thing last year. You know, the Braves having a week off in between the end of the regular season and the playoffs. We'll see if they can handle that better this year. But, yeah, they are. If they're healthy, they're the best team in baseball. But, of course, right now, you know, what were the injuries and now Max Freed going down? Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how quick. I kind of held out a little hope that maybe Mike Soroka might get a call up today, but uh, they went with a with a bullpen game. Uh, but, I, I, you know, now with Cal Wright out, Max Freed out, healthy, they have the best rotation in, maybe in baseball. They have the best bullpen in baseball. They have a top three offense. And then getting rid of Vaughn Grissom means they now have, again, a top three defense, uh, and they have top three speed. So they're just – I think the Blue Jays are playing great, but all in all, healthy, the Braves are the best team in the game. John Lee, glad to hear, man. I was glad to hear your words, and I was been a fan of your work. Oh, 92.9, um, you mentioned the pitching staff and the injuries to both Free and Kyle Wright. And I think the one Achilles heel that you probably can agree to as well during this run that the Braves have been on with these fan division championships is the one thing that's prevented them from being able to get to the World Series or even capitalize on it with the exception of the one year that they won it was pushing depth. And when them going down, where does Alex Anthopoulos look to be able to help replenish some of those arms? Well, I would hope so. I mean, he's... He's proven it in the past, isn't it? Isn't that the irony of what happened in the '90s, when you know the the the, the other issue was they just didn't hit? Um, I mean, yeah, no. The, the Alex Anthopoulos is a magician. He's you know you're really fortunate to have you know one of the best general managers in the history of the game, and I, I say that with all sincerity. At the height of his game right now, uh, his ability to retool a seven eight nine bullpen a few years back, right at the trade deadline and getting, you know, Martin and Smith and those guys, and then his ability to retool an outfield with Soler and Jock and, and Rosario at the trade deadline. When Ronald Acuna goes down, you won a World Series, but Ronald Acuna's not playing, and Mike Soroka's not playing. I mean, think about that. And so, and you won it in an impressive fashion, and you went into Houston and beat the hell out of them without those guys. So, uh, and, you know, you managed to weather the storm without uh, Freddie. You're kind of weathering the storm a little bit without Dansby. Uh, but Matt Olson's proven to be pretty darn good. So um, I mean, how many guys, let me ask you guys a question. Let's just go around the room. How many guys right now, because I can think of five, but maybe there's a sixth, and there could be more, you know, depending on what happens between now and the break. How many sh- certain all-stars are there from the Braves? I can think of five. Can you find me a sixth? Anybody want to go first? Tough question. You know, this is one of the most stacked lineups in Braves history. I I said that with our other co-host who's out tonight, Todd Quarter, and, and, you know, he disagreed with me. I think from top to bottom, this might be the best Atlanta Braves team, and I say Atlanta, um, we've ever had. I mean, Sean Murphy's an all-star. You mentioned it. Uh, Let's go. Matt Olson's probably an all-star. Ronald Acuna's an MVP, so clearly he's an all-star. That's three. Uh, you know, Travis Darno before he got hurt, if he comes back and starts hitting at the like he was raking, that might be your sixth. And yeah, uh, he might be the sixth. I mean, because obviously Frieden's right. I mean, uh, yeah. so you know, I mean, right now you got five and Iglesias. Who knows? All the way Danny Young threw last night. Who knows? Um, how about let's uh, let's uh, get Danny Young uh, and uh, get rid of AJ. <laughs> God, AJ, what is going on with AJ Minner? 
it's it's unbelievable how up and down he's been his whole career. It seems like you know, John, he gets better in the playoffs and pressure gets to him. But you know, with Iglesias back, he's kind of gone back to that eighth uh, eighth guy eighth uh, inning setup guy. And I tell you what, last outing last night he did pretty well. We'll see if he can continue that. But yeah, he is, uh, for lack of a better term, schizophrenic. Up, down, left, right. Can't ever get uh, get the same AJ Minner that you got down the stretch in twenty one. Larry, let me ask you something. What are they saying in Rome in regards to J.J. Necro? Has he got any game? J.J. can. He's he's a lot like what A.J. was. I, I made the nickname for A.J. I call him D.J. for Dow Jones because you, know, you can't even tell if he's going to be up or down. Um, but J.J., he's, he's got the tools. His issue is location. Like case in point today, Hunter Riggins, who was the starter for the first game, had a perfect game going, and the manager took him out. One inning, J.J. came in for the save opportunity and gave up a home run on his first pitch and then loaded the bases before eventually being taken out. And it wasn't because the velocity or movement on his pitches weren't there. It was simply he couldn't throw a strike. And a lot of the arms in Rome, as a matter of fact, I think – from rumblings that I heard after the fact, I think Devin Lane was actually in Rome today looking at some of the prospects that they had. Now, the one A.J. smith Shaver, he's going to be a good one, and he just got promoted to Mississippi, but he was lights out. But the majority of the rest of the arms, I had to tell people a lot of times that, remember, the minor leagues are a developmental league, and these kids are trying to develop. And J.J., although he has the name, he, he needs a little bit of work of being able to locate what he wants to do because a lot of times he comes in excited and just overpowers, but you know how that happens when you come in and want to overpower it, you tend to run the ball high and then you lose control and then you get into somebody's wheelhouse and they take you deep. So short answer or long answer to a short question. He's got the possibility. He just needs to work on his location. All right. So let me ask you guys a question because I'm curious, I, I, you know, I know you brought me on as guest, but the host of me wants to ask all of you, to weigh in on something. Walk me through Please. this. All right. So uh, Twitter, <clears throat> Twitter, uh, especially Brace Twitter. So I, I want to make sure I have this correct. Okay. So you have a team that lost its ace in Mike Soroka for two and a half years that has its ace Max Fried on the shelf, that has its 21 game winner Kyle Wright on the shelf, that traded away its all star short or let, let its all star shortstop and Dansby Swanson walk that hasn't been able to find a left fielder with assault out there, had its DH hitting Ofer Zuna for a month and a half, uh, and um, lost his backup catcher and then, you know, kind of the heart and soul of the team until he recently came back. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Uh, what's their record again? <laughs> and Michael Harris was uh, Michael Harris was out. What's their record again? The so best in the what, National so League. What, here's the question. <laughs> Why the hell does anybody question Brian Snicker? It's the fan in us, the fan in us, especially us miserable, downtrodden, ready to light our torch and pitchforks, jump off of the 17th Street Bridge, any sign of faltering Atlanta Braves fans who are insufferable when things don't, like, we expect, and it's sad to say it, but we expect as fans for the Braves to win. 85 to 90% of the contest. And 
when what we think should happen does not happen, whether or not the Braves win or not, we've got 70 million opinions to zero as to what we think Brian Snicker ought to be doing. Case in point, Marcelo Zuna. He continues to try them out, try them out, try them out, and Braves fans are ready to end at the stake. And come the Florida Mar- uh, excuse me, Miami Marlins series, he flips the switch. Now, it ain't consistent all the way through, but it looks like he's trying to turn the corner. But until that point, and, and it's funny because why does Braves Twitter or Braves fans have, you know, mercy with Rob Grissom when they see him committing error after error after error after error? But when Marcel can, he couldn't hit his way through a red paper sack with, with, with a rake in his hand, and they're ready to crucify him. So I think it's all perception is reality to most Braves Twitter, and that's causes them to react with such rash decisions when it comes to what Brian Snicker does. That's my opinion. All right, so uh, but did I mention that the, the, the uh, heir apparent Vaughn Grissom uh, sucked in the field so bad that now they're saying, you know, maybe you, you have to trade him? And did I mention that Tyler Matzik's out for the year or that Ian Anderson is, like, never going to come back apparently again because whatever he had, he's gone. What's their record again? See, look, <laughs> here's the deal. All right, so over Zuna, here's where, you know, and I was critical uh, of that as well, but here's where I think, guys, the over Zuna thing works for them. They have to trade him, okay? They've got to trade him, and they may have to eat a whole bunch of money, but they got to trade him now, and they had to have him do what he did. They had to have him get hot so that somebody will, you know, take him, even if, they, if the Braves have to eat half the salary. And maybe you have to put Bob Grissom with him, and maybe you have to trot out, you know, these young arms that you're seeing and have to part with a, you know, a Dodd or a Lee or, or who knows, you know. I mean, they picked up for, for whatever reason to bring Kobe Allard back. I have no idea, but they did you know, or, or an arm or two in order to get a plus-plus fielder in the outfield because you've tried White, you've tried Hilliard, you've tried Pilar, you've tried – you can't try Ozuna. Oh, my God, he's a box truck. And, of course, Rosario has just not panned out. So you're going to have to – with four outfielders out there left, you still got to go out and get a left fielder. And, and now not only do you have to do that, but you may need to get another – because, by the way, did I mention Charlie Morton's like 92 years old and looking like it? So look <laughs> through all these things. They're still 25 and 11, and he's going to have to make a trade and he's got to trade Ozuna because now that Darno's back, there's no you cannot pay Marcelo Ozuna thirty eighteen million dollars, thirty six million for two years to be a DH because you can't put him in left. He's a box truck, so you can't pay him the DH once every three games because now with the, with Darno back, you'll have Murphy, Murphy, Darno a catcher, right? And when guess what? Who do you want to DH? You want Travis Darno when he's sitting around to play once every four days, or do you want him to like go DH, DH, catch? Oh, and then Murphy could DH. You don't need Marcelo Zuna's a waste. He's a bench waste, and you got to trade him. And so you had to show him off. You showcase him. Now you have to get bye bye Von Grissom because you're going to have to give up something, right? So bye bye Von Grissom because they're going to want him because they'll think he's a project and he show flashes, which is fine. They can have him. I'd rather have Shoemake anyway. And besides, you can go out and get one in the offseason. And by the way, I think Garcia is actually pretty good. Uh, he may not be Dansby, but he's pretty. He may actually have a little more pop at home runs than Dansby does. So I think he's, he's fine. He made some really nice plays over the last couple of games. So he's fine at shortstop. He's not great, but you don't have to have great there. You got all stars everywhere else. You got to go get a plus plus fielder and left. You got to go get another starter. So they're going to be making a couple of trades, and Alex knows this, and he might have to go get a setup guy. And don't underestimate how badly they miss Tyler Matzik. And so Joel, that's a that's a big loss you know, for sure. Twenty five and eleven. Right before yeah. we. 
I'm sorry, John. I was just going to say, right before we went on air here, I was saying to the guys how I think Alex Anthopoulos has to have it in the back of his head to trade Vaughn Grissom because his bat is elite. His fielding, obviously, I don't know if it's a mental hurdle at this point, but there's definitely something brewing in the works for Alex Anthopoulos. And, folks, you might have to forgive your fanism and say, this might win us a championship if this happens, and that might include a Vaughn Grissom trade. I'm right there with you. Folks, you're listening to John Fricky right here on ATL Prime Sports. You can catch John on Twitter at John Fricky. That's F-R-I-C-K-E. Again, host of 92.9 The Game. I'm going to flip the subject here since we only got you for a couple more minutes, John. I want to talk about the Falcons. I think the Falcons drafted fairly well. You and I interacted on Twitter on this a couple times. I thought they would go offense with the first pick, but I was wrong on the position. I thought they would address the wide receiver need. What do you think uh, the Falcons drafted well? Or I should say, what are your thoughts on the the draft process and um, go from there? Well, you know, I I think that Bijan Robinson was third on their board. I actually think he was number one on their board because he was their board in Flowery Branch went Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Bijan Robinson, and they fully knew well that they weren't going to be in the business of Young or Stroud. So that makes Bijan Robinson number one on their draft board. They were never not going to draft Bijan Robinson if he was there. Uh, so, um, I, and by the way, I'm kind of glad he was for a couple of for a couple well, for the main reason that I think Bijan Robinson is going to be a star running back. Tyler Algiers is a nice player. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, we've got Tyler Algiers. Tyler Algiers is a nice player. Wait till, you, wait till you see this guy. Wait till you, It's sort of like the Matt Olson thing. When Freddie left it, I said, wait, wait, wait till you see how good this Olson guy is. And then they went out and got Sean Murphy. And I said, wait till you see how good this guy is. And then somebody said the most ridiculous thing to me. They, they called in and they said, you know, John, he played against no defense in the Big 12. He played at Texas. You can't know what he's going to be. Wait, wait, stop. You're saying to me that he played against, first off, the Big 12 defenses weren't that bad last year. I'm glad you weren't paying attention to that. K-State was actually pretty good. Uh, you know, <laughs> exactly. TCU notwithstanding that. You know, I mean, they were actually okay. You know, they weren't killer good, but they weren't bad. They weren't awful. And I said, by the way, he played at Texas, right? I mean, yeah, but you you got to look at the competition. Uh, okay, so it's about the competition level. So if you play at a competition level that isn't, Alabama or Georgia kind of level, which, by the way, they don't play Alabama or Georgia. You understand that, right? If you're at Alabama, you don't actually play against Alabama. Okay, you play, you're playing against Vanderbilt. You understand that. All right. Just want to make sure we get that clear. Um, then I guess that you, we can go back through history and say, since it's about the competition level, then nobody should have ever drafted Walter Payton or Terrell Owens or Jerry Rice. or You need me to go on? I mean, what are you talking about? They're, they're, they're HBCU players crying out loud. Why would you want those guys? One double A players at Chattanooga. He can't be no good. He played at Chattanooga. Consider who did he play? VMI? I mean, stop it. Bijan Robinson is going to be an explosive back who I think is going to set your hair on fire. And he has Agreed. such the guts. It's a gutsy move to go out there and say, I want number seven. That's all. You know what? That's good. I like that. Love the kid. I, I enjoy the pick, too. I, I, I think with. Cordell Patterson being 32 years old, you fear injury, maybe season ending there. And also, you know, Cordell Patterson came into this league as a wide receiver. Maybe you could put him in the slot and put all three on the field at one time with Kyle Pitts. Now that'd be a formation 
that the uh, offensive coordinators would just roll their eyes over with all the possibilities you can do oh, there. Don't, so don't, uh, don't underestimate the value of John o. Smith. I, I think you're, you know, some people are missing uh, some of the other moves that they made uh, offensively. Yeah. Um, you know, now I don't know if Bergeron's going to be the answer at left guard. I certainly hope he is because God knows that thing's been a sieve for, you know, seven seasons now, but John o. Smith is really good. You know, and he didn't have a drop last year. All targets. He caught wow. everything that was targeted, not a drop, not one. And so, um, you put him in there. So, yeah, I, you know, and I said this the other day on, the, uh, on my show, and I said, it's pretty, all right, I'll ask all of you guys. Uh, the, uh, the question is, are we okay on offense? Here's the setup. It's the first snap of the season, okay, opening game against them. We'll find out tomorrow night who that's against. First offensive snap of the season. We break the huddle. We go up to the line. Ritter is behind center. Behind Ritter is Bijan Robinson. You have John Smith check it at tight end. Cordero Patterson goes into the slot. Left is Drake uh, London, and they split Kyle Pitts wide right. So you got London Pitts, John Smith, Cordero Patterson, and Bijan with Desmond Ritter, and then Cordero goes in motion. Are we okay on offense? I think we're beyond okay. I, I think that's a great point, and it brings me to my, my last question for you, and I'll throw it to Larry. I know we're running out of time. I don't want to keep you too long, John. I want to I want to hear your opinion on this. It's year three for Arthur Smith. Is he on the hot seat if Atlanta doesn't make the postseason this year? As long as the team is healthy, yes, of course. I mean, you know, we can't know. I mean, Ritter goes down game one. You know, Heineke goes down game two. You know, who the hell knows, right? You're you're the 49ers and you're playing, you know, Bijan quarterback. Who who knows, right? I mean, so, but I all in all, with spending seventy five million dollars, yeah, yeah, of course he is. I mean, in a division that's this winnable, he has no excuse not to win 11 games. None. He knows it. I, I'm shaking my head in agreement. I'm right there with you. I think, I think he's won with less in Tennessee. I mean, for crying out loud, he had Ryan Tannehill here and Derrick Henry, and he, Mark, or excuse me, Marcus Mariota, and he won a playoff game there as a coordinator. So. Uh, I, I think they've drafted well. I'm right there with you. Uh, I know we're running out of time. Larry, you want to you want to throw one last question for John, and then I'll sign them all. Yeah, John, I want to pay you. I, I got a I got a either or for you that I heard on another sports uh, media outlet. And I wanted to, and, and when they told me that you were coming on, I was like, great. I would love to hear his opinion. Which is more likely for Atlanta? Twenty six or more points a game. Or 35 sacks by the end of the season? Well, uh, boy, not to be somebody who says bold, but it's bold. And so the question is, which is more likely? I mean, they're going to have more than 35 sacks. And I think that they're a touchdown better on offense across the board. Um, but you can't know. All right, I'll say the 35 sacks because that's a given. Uh, I think they'll easily double their sack total, if not go to they were 21 last year. They could go into a size 50 this year. So I'll have to go that route because we can't know. The one, the, the one unknown here is is the quarterbacking situation. And who knows? Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe Desmond Ritter goes out there and, and chokes. I don't think he will. I think he's going to – I don't think it'll be game by game that he gets better like he did last year, game over game. But I think quarter by quarter, first four games, second four games, third four games. I mean, Taylor Heineke can play too. Let's not forget uh, that he's actually pretty good. And so I, if they have to go to him, I'm, I'm good with that uh, because he's, you know, the Collins Hill kid's got game. But, he, and again, you can't foresee turnovers and things of that nature. Or maybe you have a couple of bad games 
could be games in the snow, depending on the schedule. So, because you have some northern northern aways this year. So, I'll go 35 sacks because I think it's a given, uh, even if they don't get to 26 points. So, with that said, then I want to ask my final one, which is who's the X factor on our defense this year? I'm sorry, say that again. Who's going to be the X factor? On our defense this year, is it the signing of Jesse Bates? Is it is it still AJ? Is it still Grady? Is it you know? Uh, is it any of the newcomers that that uh, Trey Flowers maybe? Could it be any of the newcomers that our, our wonderful general manager has brought on this in this offseason? Who's your pick well, for the X factor in our defense? Well, it, 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 it better be Clayus Campbell, and the reason it better be Clayus Campbell is in the locker room in 2016. Guys, you know, Hugh Douglas and I, we were going there, you know, and we were there, you know, I don't know how many times we're there every week. They're there for training camp. They're there for everything. You cannot, you cannot underestimate when Vic Beasley led the NFL in sex, you cannot underestimate the, the value of, of the veterans along that defensive line who were there with the youngsters. And Calais Campbell, he had other offers. He chose to come to Atlanta. And, you know, what Dwight Freeney meant at one point to that team uh, and in terms of, you know, helping those young uh, defensive linemen, including Grady Jarrett, Grady will tell you that. Uh, so we didn't, we haven't had that veteran presence. I mean, they brought in Rashawn Evans and Lorenzo Carter last year, and, and but Lowe had to play so much that, you know, he couldn't really, I don't know if he was really, you know, in a position where he was going to, and you have, we're talking about a rookie in Evacady and a second-year guy in Adi that hasn't clicked for him quite yet. Um, but now you look at the R lads, and you look at the defense, and you see Omanyata, and you see Clayus, and you see you know, all the changes they've made on defense, including Bud Dupree and, and Caden Ellis. And we're talking about the front seven, not just all those three guys or four guys. They could be new in the backfield there if you include the draft pick. So uh, you see some of those guys who can help with that pass rush. But Clayus is a veteran, is um, a mentor. And now look at our lines and see what you see. Go, you know what you guys should do? Pull it up. Go, go to open your browser. Pull up Falcons, our lads. And when I get off here, I want you to. I'm going to give you a little thing. Go through the second and third units on defense and see what I'm talking about. Suddenly, those names on the second and third units were the starters last year are now the depth guys. And so suddenly, Evacady and Ade and, and Taquan Graham and and D'Angelo Malone and all of these guys are the depth guys. Tori Anderson, they're all the depth guys, and now they're the depth. And so he just bought himself all this depth here for next man up that he didn't have last year. And now, you know, so, you know, Low Carter goes out, here comes Epicady, and Calais goes out, and here comes, you know, uh, Taquan Graham. I mean, so, I mean, they now have, you know, depth along that defensive line and in that linebacking core. And now, of course, now with the secondary, now with Trey Flowers in that secondary to go with Akuda and Bates and A.J. and Hawkins and Grant. And you know what? This team is actually loaded on defense. It really is. It really is. Well, John, thanks for coming on. I know you're out of time. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, I was going to ask you about your thoughts on the NHL coming to Atlanta, but if you if you got a couple seconds, throw it out there. If not, I'll, I'll sign you off. Well, they're coming. I mean, they've been saying that for a long time. I just hope when they do come back, they finally do it right. Uh, for all you Blue Line fans out there, God love you. And I, I didn't have anything against, uh, you know, the Thrashers, uh, you know, I, I loved them. I love Kowalczyk, you know, and oh, Danny, and I know. Uh, but I was a Flames fan through and through. First job I ever had in 1979. I got paid $10 a game to cover the Atlanta Flames, and so I was a Flames guy from the jump. And so uh, I miss the Flames to this day. I hope they bring the Flames jerseys back. If they can't get the name from Calgary, you tell Calgary, call it whatever you want. Bring the Flames jerseys back. The Atlanta Flames, I don't care if you just call them 
the Atlanta Fire or the Atlanta, I don't care what you call them, but bring that red and gold and that block A with the fire in it, bring that jersey back. That's what I want. It was a good one. It was a good one. Well, John, thanks thanks for joining us. Uh, tell our listeners real quick how they can find you on Twitter and hear your voice on 92.9 The Game. And, again, thanks for coming on. No no problem, guys. And best of luck to you on your on your show. It's just at John Fricke, F-R-I-C-K-E, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on the air on 92.9 The Game on weekends uh, now. <laughs> Don't ask. Don't ask. Okay? <laughs> Don't ask. Uh, but, uh, okay. Uh, and uh, and I'll be doing a lot of filling. You'll hear me on every show. You'll hear me on Dukes and Bell. You'll hear me on Andy and Randy. Uh, I'll be doing Falcons this fall and a lot of Hawks and so on. You'll hear me all over the place. Well, as always, thanks, John, we're, we're big fans. I want to say thanks again for coming on. Uh, for Larry, Wayne, and Memphis, I'm JJ. It was a pleasure talking to you. And have a Wayne, good night. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, John. Have a good day. As John Fricky of 92.9 The Game. What a great guest, some great commentary, good good fodder back and forth. Absolutely love the interview. Uh, folks, if you like the content, give us a like, give us a subscribe, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, of course, the old YouTube. Let's move on with this show, fellas. Uh, I really like his comments about the NHL coming back to Atlanta. It'd be really cool if the Flames did make their way back here. Uh, NHL playoffs, <clears throat> Stanley Cup playoffs have been nothing but exciting. Let's go around these playoffs. Wayne, your Maple Leafs have done it to you again. Yeah, well, your quick thoughts, they're down 3 nothing. They need America. Well, they're, they're winning right now, but uh, they still got one uh, period to go. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, elsewhere around in the second round, uh, Hurricanes are up 3-1 to one on the Devils. The Kraken and the Stars, uh, they're tied at 2 and the Las Vegas Knights are up 2-1 to one over the Oilers. You know what I think has been pretty amazing about these last couple playoffs here, uh, and going back a couple years to the Vegas Knights, is how expansion teams have come into the NHL and done well right away. And I make the same comparison to Atlanta United in Major League Soccer coming in and winning the championship within two years. So a lot of these teams are coming in, and not only competing, but competing at an extremely high level. And I thought that was pretty eye-opening. That's my one That's my one thing I got for you in these hockey playoffs is the – and I wish Todd was here tonight because I guarantee you he had some stat about that. But it seems like make an expansion team, go deep in the playoffs. Does it not seem like that, fellas, with, with the Vegas Knights a couple of years ago ending their run in the Stanley Cup Finals? And then the Kraken tied right here with the Dallas Stars at two apiece. I think a lot of that, J.J., has to do with the international ability to field the team. Mm -hmm. You're looking at hockey being a huge international sport, soccer, football, as it is everywhere else, being extremely big-time internationally. When you open up an expansion team and you have the ability to sign people from overseas or legit stars it makes it very easy for you to be competitive right away whereas in other sports like in basketball or even in baseball with the international aspect of course you don't necessarily know that you're going to get those top hot prospects on a nation international level because think about in baseball they're not Shohei Atani's everywhere you know he's a once in a generational type player that you haven't seen in ages but since Babe Ruth so 
the the ability to have talented athletes in both hockey and both soccer make it so easy for you to when you open up and have a a perspective um, expansion team that you can it, really two to three cycles and you can be competing for a title and for everything haywire, especially as you see it with Seattle, you know, and as you mentioned with Atlanta United, and then now look at Charlotte being an expansion team. And before you know it, they're probably going to be competitive as well. I just think the international aspect of both of those two sports in particular make it a little bit less difficult to be competitive sooner than the majority of your American-based sports. I, I agree with that 100%. Guys, any final thoughts on our NHL playoff talk before we want to get into uh, the nitty-gritty of the NBA playoffs? No. Uh, and In fact, I might not have too much to say about that NBA stuff because uh, uh, the, the uh, 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 Celtics are not doing so well against uh, 76ers, and, you know, it, it's making me really not like the 76ers, but I do like them, so I don't know what to think. <laughs> Trust the process is what Joel Embiid has always said, and looks like that process is working out pretty well. And that will get us to our NBA playoffs talk, just as you mentioned it, uh, Wayne. Let's go ahead and go over to the NBA playoffs. Uh, continue to impress me. Let's go around these playoffs. In the East, the Heat lead the Knicks, as you just mentioned, 3-1. to one. Uh, Our uh, he lead the Knicks three to one. Celtics are down three to two to the 76ers, like you mentioned. I was stuttering there tut, 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 today, Junior. West Lakers shocking the Warriors three to one right now, and the Nuggets lead the Suns three to two. So Larry's not shocked. You know, Larry's not shocked by those Lakers. I know already. <laughs> you know, I, I'm impressed by the Lakers. They don't shoot the three ball very well, and in the day and age of today's game, where you see Steph Curry launching and Trey Young launching from 33 feet all the time, it's very it's very unique to watch. They're working it down low to AD, um, dishing it back out to Schroeder and LeBron, and LeBron's doing what he's done his whole career, making his teammates better, and uh, it's been very fun and intriguing to watch. Um, they're, they're doing it with physicality. They're doing it with athleticism down low. And guys, it kind of looks, it's kind of taking me back to the early 2000s a little bit. And, and I can't lie. I've, I've been glued to the television. It, it's been an intriguing NBA playoffs. And I kind of thought the Warriors would get hot, shoot everything over everybody, make everything. Draymond Green would get his technical fouls and we'd all be dancing into the streets for, for a, a, a dynasty, their fifth. And talking to Steph Curry passing LeBron James. Now, LeBron James has taken his foot and stuffed that right back down everybody's throat. And it's actually been fun to watch. I, 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 can't, I can't get enough of it. I really can't. The old school physicality and the, the way uh, the, the head coach of the Lakers is slipping my mind. Former assistant for the Falcons, uh, Hawks, excuse me. But it, it's been extremely fun to watch these NBA playoffs. And uh, that's off to the Lakers. Uh, hey, Jack Nicholas came back on, the actor, sitting there in his seat. You know, he's even getting back into it. Snoop Dogg's back into it. And uh, they're talking on Undisputed. And and when when the Lakers are this good and making this much noise, it's good for the NBA. Larry, your thoughts? Yeah, on both ways. Anytime the Lakers and the Celtics are both good, it's always good for the NBA. But the thing that has set this series apart is 
Darren Ham is, is, is utilized the best two-way player in the league when he's healthy, and that's Anthony Davis. Golden State does not have an answer for him when he's healthy. Conversely, the absence of Jordan Poole for the Warriors is, is what's really been their Achilles heel because when when Stephen Clay needed rest and, and needed someone to come in to be that third or fourth scorer, Jordan Poole was able to do so. It's really been Stephen Clay and even when Tays off, maybe Wiggins every now and again. But the Lakers have been able to exploit that because LeBron is still LeBron. And at 38, what he's doing, even at this level, still playing, and even though this is the first season in his entire career where he did not garner at least one MVP vote in these playoffs, he's teaching these young boys what it takes to win championships. And I'll tell you another point that you can even throw into it. Notice these teams that are still playing that, that people would not be playing. Hmm. Yeah. Years ago, teams in the bubble. Yeah. Denver with Jokic and Murray. <laughs> the Heat with Jimmy. Everybody knows the meme where they've seen the oh, with, with Jimmy leaning over the, 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 the sideline bumper after then giving everything he's got. LeBron and AD finally winning the ring. I'm telling you, it taught people how to win basketball with matchups and adjustments. And I really think the Miami Heat and, and the NBA really don't want the NBA really does not want this. If there was a Denver Miami NBA final, the NBA office would lose his mind. It would essentially lose his mind because they can't sell Nikola Jokic versus Jimmy Butler. <laughs> can't sell it. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I'd love to watch that though, personally. Those are the ones that get me going. Oh, agreed. Agreed. The, the eighth seed, the, the lower seeds, uh, it, it's just been so entertaining, Larry, and you're nodding your head. I love a good underdog story. I, it, you, how many times have we talked about, what was it, uh, up until the Heat made the finals, no, uh, and, and then you had the sixth seed uh, Rockets doing the 90s, it's been a top three seed to win a championship every other year. Or, and even be in the finals, it's been a top three seed minus those two guys. So it's it's absolutely eye-opening to me and, and refreshing nonetheless. And I hope I didn't cut you off, Larry. Uh, Wayne, you got a comment. Go ahead and get in. Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, Larry was talking about well, what matchup would cause the front office to lose their mind. But I think the lowest they'd be willing to go and find it acceptable is if it were uh, the Sixers and the uh, – uh, sons in the final. I, th I think they would accept that. It wouldn't be their first choice, but I don't think they'd lose their mind over it. No, no, not at all, because you can sell that, you know? Yes. Like, with, with Phoenix, you can sell KD, and you can sell Devin Booker. So, yeah. that that's not a problem at all. Eastern-wise, you can sell just about everybody in the East is available, with the exception of the Knicks. You know, you really can't sell anybody on the Knicks. The thing that sells that is the city is that it's in, you know, yeah. the finals at Madison Square Garden, that would sell. Yeah. But most people give Eric Spolster credit, man. The dude is a Zen. He's, he's, I'm going to start calling him the little Zen master. Because <laughs> the adjustments that he makes in game and from game to game might just be one of the smartest, most intelligent coaches left in the playoffs. And I think 
Missoula for the Celtics, I think that's the thing that's really setting him back is he the, the moment is starting to get too big for him because he doesn't know how to adjust from game to game and it's exposing some of the weaknesses that the Celtics do have, even though they can shoot the lights out. JJ, you know this as well as I do. If you live by the three, eventually you will die by the three. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what's happening to the Celtics. Embiid and, and Harden are just picking rolling them to death, and they can't do anything with it. It's awesome. It really is awesome. I mean, you're seeing all these twos go in. The field goal percentage is up. This is basketball to me, folks. This is absolutely great to watch. NBA playoffs will continue on for, uh, oh, golly, another six months, it seems like. Not just easy. But, uh, folks, let's go from one J.J. to another J.J. who's in the news. Uh, One of my favorite college players of all time, J.J. Redick, 15-year NBA vet, found out was interviewed by the Toronto Raptors for their head coaching position. Uh, thoughts on the possibility of the coach in the NBA? I'll tee this one off. I think it'd be a great hire. I mean, we've seen this happen recently with Jason Kidd, who goes straight from the court to the coaching, and he's done fairly well with it. Uh, look, the current NBA analyst for ESPN, great mind, great basketball mind, and of course, his career at Duke under Coach Shashevsky. Obviously, he's got a great mentor to call in Coach K to maybe help him out a little bit. And I'm sure that would actually be a call if he gets the job is to maybe build under Coach K, maybe find a way to get Coach K in the building here and there. That might be a thought process. But look, it's JJ Reddick's the 2006 National Player of the Year in college at Duke. Uh, he was targeted by the Celtics in 21 uh, for an assistant position, which I was not familiar with till I read the uh, ESPN article today informing me uh, deeper of this uh, this co- coaching interview. But I, I think he'd be pretty good. I mean, he's got a great basketball mind. He's very likable in the NBA. He's been on several teams, never heard a complaint, and guys like to play with J.J. So I think he'd be a pretty good hire. Uh, Larry, what you think? And then we'll go to Wayne. No, I'm good. I'm right there with you, man. I think he would be a good hire. The question is, is the front office in Toronto going to be patient enough for him to get in there and to develop the roster that they have? Or will this be a season roster overturning there with the Raptors front office? Will they start to doubt, like deal off Pascal Siakam? You know, will Fred Van Vliet still be on the roster? Are they going to – will there be major changes or – when they say, okay, maybe we just had a bad, bad season with injuries and whatnot. Let's see if we can get JJ here, give him a year, because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. All these coaches who were NBA title winning coaches, Coach Bud, Nick Nurse, all being fired within a year or two of winning the ring. Oh, too, yeah. So that being the case, are we in a position where it's great for JJ that he gets the job, but is the front office going to be patient enough? to allow him to get in, do what he needs to do to try to develop and, and get that team to a level of competition to where they're competing again for titles in the East. That's a good point. That's a good point because we all know NBA front offices will use the head coach as a scapegoat almost quicker than any other league in American professional sports. Wayne, what are your thoughts? You're a college basketball fan. You remember J.J. Redick yeah. and his amazing ability to shoot the ball behind the arc at Duke. What do you think about his uh, – his ability to coach an NBA franchise 
and uh, your thoughts on the hire, if if he indeed he gets hired, or even the interview in general. Well, if, if I were Toronto, I would hire him uh, well before I would hire John Calamari or Calipari, uh, who evidently is always hunting to get back in the NBA. I like it. Yeah, we're all in agreement. Look, I think JJ's a great guy. Uh, you never you never saw bad side of JJ Redick, no matter what team he was on. Whether he was playing in the finals with Dwight Howard, I think it was. Uh, uh, that might have been a little before his time. Am I wrong, or was that was that one of his rookie seasons down there in Orlando? Did he get to the finals with Dwight Howard? I can't remember. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but I can find it out for you real quick, Pastor. Yeah, look, look that up. I feel like he did play in the finals one time with Dwight Howard. I might be I might be a little early uh, on his career. He may have still been in college at the time, but I, I like it. If he is hired, I think he'll knock the, knock things out of the park again. He's got a great mentor. He can pick up the phone. Uh, guy, uh, Coach K, who's coached LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and in, in gold medal games. So, look, I, I love the pedigree of JJ Redick, and I, I think he'd do great in Toronto. Guys, any final thoughts on the NBA uh, before we move on? Nope. JJ, he was drafted in 06. So, so okay, so he was uh, he was drafted in 06. So I think that might have been. Uh, a little bit after those finals. So uh, I was a little wrong there. Again, I was jumped the gun on it, but he's had a great NBA career and uh, uh, hats off to JJ Redick if he does get the job. I, I think he'd do great there. I think we all agree with that. Uh, let's go our final thought. Uh, Wayne, why don't you, you start off our final thought for the show this evening? Well, my only final thought is um, I, I hope Toronto can hold out and uh you know, at least win this game and extend the series. Uh, but I'm starting to get that old Toronto feeling again. So, <laughs> Larry, final thought for the show, my friend. Yeah, man. My final thought is simply this, man. We've been in such a society that is so quick to cancel everybody. And no, we've had a couple of instances where prominent people, whether it's the Oakland A's announcer or even with Bob Huggins, saying things that are uh, slurs and things that, you know, in this day and age is an automatic cancel iron dispose and whatnot. I hate that we've gotten to a level in our society that forgiveness is is second second thought. So don't even think about being forgiving or, or if people just don't make mistakes. And every mistake that people make, even if it is intentional sometimes, is always worthy of an immediate termination or an immediate canceling of the culture. Sometimes it's better for us to use and utilize a heart of forgiveness because uh, who he who was without seeing let us cast the first stone and most of us the truth be told if we open our closets there's some skeletons in there that you don't want nobody else to know about so uh, my final thought is just simply i wish that we were in a a more forgiving type mindset and and culture when it came to when it comes to sports because we all make mistakes even even intentional ones that, that you don't necessarily want to call it a mistake i just wish that we were in a a, a level-headed society that would execute and show forgiveness more often yeah, it goes for everything, not just uh, sports. That uh, uh, that would be a great thing if we could uh, push that all the way down the the, the road there. Uh, Wayne, Larry, I agree with you both there, hundred percent agree. I think we jump down people's throats for making simple mistakes way too often, and just like you said, the Bible verse. Look, not everybody's perfect, except for the man upstairs who gave his life for us here on earth so folks i'm right there with you my final thought 
comes back to the University of Georgia where Devin Willick's father has filed a lawsuit against the University of Georgia. The lawsuit also names defense, uh, Eagles defensive lineman Jalen Carter, uh, LaCroix, who is the driver of the vehicle's estate, and Toppers International Show Bar. If you know Athens, it's the only strip club there. And um, that is where the group was assembled before the crash took place. So, folks, uh, take off your fan goggles and uh, realize that Georgia could be at fault for this. And it could get ugly, folks, because I, I think seeing how the kids were in a UGA-issued car, they might have some fault at this. And uh, take your goggles off, folks, and realize this is a serious situation where two people lost their lives. And someone needs to be held accountable for these children, for lack of a better term right here. Children were lost, and daughter and a son were lost, and it's just it's just an unbelievably ugly situation. Um, I thought some prayers go out to the LaCroix and the Willick family as this lawsuit does go through. And uh, Georgia fans, again, take off the goggles, take off the fanism, and, and look this through the forest and say, there may have been some at fault at the University of Georgia. That's my final thought, guys. What a great show. I want to say thank you to John Fricky for coming on tonight. Didn't have to do that, and he did. What a great guy. Some great takes for Larry in Adairsville, for Wayne in Memphis. I'm JJ. For Todd Quarter, who's on vacation, get you one of these, folks. Have a great night. Thanks for listening.